and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and we're here back in the studio after Tracy's week in the sun and surf and sand, right back here to the 105-degree swamp weather. And she's drinking a sip of wine, which is why she can jump right in there. (laughs) And I'm Tracy Dietz, and I did have an awesome time at the beach, although I didn't get as tan as I'd want to, but that's okay. Good for sunscreen. My kids are awesome. Uh, I know everyone says that about their kids, but my kids really (laughs) kick all kinds of ass. They really make me a better person, which is important these days because the world is so fucking bizarre, and it's hard to call myself a Republican these days. It's a mess. I mean, it's a mess. There There is very little clarity right now in this town, in the political space. Every week, it's like something nuttier and nuttier happens. And it buried under all the insanity is like really important shit. So I hope that like as a as a society, we don't lose sight of what we need to care about families and people and And everybody's and getting more extreme on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And so it's 105 degrees here and everything's on fire. Some some is hellfire and some is good fire. There was this crazy race on the Democratic side last week. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won a congressional primary in the Bronx, taking out a long-term old white guy incumbent. And she is 28 years old and she's first generation American and she's from a, a district that is 80% Im- immigrant first-generation American people of color. It's insane. And she is like super fierce. And I think it's representational of an energy that we're experiencing in the political space. And so I think that's, you know, for what for the politics and what it is, it's just nice to have as Maxine Waters and Chuck Schumer are arguing with each other and Donald Trump's being crazy. There's just like, look at me over here. Like, I'm young and I'm energetic. I'm super. So I, I am torn on her because I. You don't agree with her politics. Oh, her politics are horrific. <laughs> like, I mean, they are. It's not even a matter of being a Democrat. I mean, I think she's her, a socialist. her policies are destructive yeah. to society. But it is amazing what she accomplished what she did. and how she did it yeah. and the fire that she has and how hard she worked to get there. Yeah. And, you know, I. I'm sort of torn because I I want women to be successful, and I love to see that she literally kicked a 10-year incumbent's ass. But again, like uh, on on the policy side, like I think they are her policies and and her politics are terrible for us. Well, I mean, the cool thing about that is let her get to Congress and then let's have a like let's have a more broad debate about what our policies should be. Let's let's stop just like introducing stuff and then the other party stopping it because we all fucking hate each other. Let's just like try to get a mix of people where shit can actually be discussed. Totally agree. The problem is I don't think the super left left needs to be in Congress with the super all right, like those people don't need to be in Congress. Like I want more people in the middle. Unless I they represent more... their constituencies. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah. That, I mean, that's but, a fair point. But fair it's nice point, just but... to like, yeah, to as much as I respect and I really do respect Nancy Pelosi and I know the structure on the Hill and you need seniority to be leading committees and all that kind of stuff. It's like energy. We need we need some new blood. And it's yeah. going to happen in November for oh, sure. Absolutely. For sure. Also, today's show, we have a great guest who, Kai Waddell, who um, I met a, a bunch of years ago. She's a, a long-term um, employee of Facebook and is here to talk to us about women in tech, which we haven't really explored yet. So that'll be exciting. Speaking of tech, Twitter, which Twitter's like a weird space. Twitter was essentially on life support until our current president got into office. And now that he releases all his international policy on Twitter, it's like back. And Are women even allowed on Twitter? <laughs> I'm there. You know who's there is your sloth-loving friend, Shoshana, Shoshana Weissman. So there's a, there's a study that was released by the International Journal of Press and Politics talking about how when male journalists reply to other Beltway journalists, meaning like other D.C. journalists, they reply 91% of the time to other men and not women. That m- Men are retweeted at like 
the like many many more times than women are. Do you think it's just can men have bromances with other men? Like they just can't get enough. Well, it sort of goes dudes. our stupid shit of the stupid shit people say of the week is about male voices versus women female voices, and so like it goes to that. It's like when when left to pe- their own devices, do men just think men are better? I mean, I think that or they network in this case, it could just be they network really hard. And so they all like got each other's back in a way to like make themselves better, better, better. And like their crew are men. I mean, do you think at their core they're intentionally doing it because they don't like women or because they just don't find what the the women are tweeting interesting? I bet we should do this. I bet if we went and looked at a whole bunch of fucking tweets from journalists, men and women, like they're saying the same thing. I mean, they're just tweeting. I will say I think more men retweet things I post than women do. And it could be because I have more men followers than women followers. Yeah, I was going to say, how many followers do you have? It's probably dudes. I think it's pretty interesting. That that doesn't mean that men aren't sexist assholes. Right. Or saying that. And I think it's going to be like a little bit of a sort of theme to this podcast about muscle memory, about culture, about there have always been more male journalists just because there's always been more male fill in the blank of that job. Because well, there's, women, a, there's just more men working, yeah, I think, for, for a long time correct. than women as a whole. Absolutely. So then you just get into this like habit, this pattern where you're building your colleagues are men, your networks are men, the people that you chase down stories with are men, the seat next to you in the in the White House press room is a man. The, you know what I mean? And then you just sort of get in this cycle. And unless you stop and say, oh, my God. I'm in a fucking rut. I need to I need to be more inclusive in my life for the good of society, which is a pretty significant lift for anybody. They're not going to start just like randomly retweet female journalists. So I, I don't I mean, uh, journalists tend to be left leaning. That is such bullshit. I go on Fox News every week. They have a bigger viewership than MSNBC and CNN combined. Okay, so uh, just because they have a bigger viewership doesn't mean that like all of the journalists on CNN, the Washington Post, the New York Times are. are, uh, My point is about journalists. My point isn't about viewership. Okay, and the fact that Fox has a bigger viewership says a lot. But whatever, right? We don't want to go there. Yeah, I would say that not that not all journalists are more left-leaning. I wasn't trying to start a fight, but I do think that journalists tend to be more academic and more left-leaning, which you would think would be more inclusive as a whole. Like you expect Sean Hannity to not be inclusive. (laughs) Like you would expect Wolf Blitzer to be more inclusive. I don't know. No, but turns out that is like I think that is a we've talked about this on the podcast before. That is a assumption that without merit right, that so just because you're more progressive means that you're like a correct, you're more inclusive correct. by nature so we are expecting people to just be better as a whole and then there are still people that are demanding that people be totally kicked out of this country because they technically broke a law even though they've been here for 40 years and raised two kids i think I those mean, people should be fucking better too the people we, that are yes calling everybody should be better yeah. but if like if half the country can't be better it's going to be hard to expect journalists to to be better. No, oh. it's not hard to expect. I'm just saying it's not it's not surprising that this is the case. Right, but just cuz it's not surprising doesn't mean it doesn't suck ass. Oh, it's of like it's it like sucks you, ass. I know. It's it's if if and it, it it speaks to why we have talked a lot about the importance of women lifting other women up yep. because we're certainly not getting like a big old lift from the men in a, like in the macro sense, sure. not you and me, like yep. in a macro sense. But in Fulton, Georgia, Oh, this is such so, a great you, story. Yeah, tee it up, Trace. You need to, uh, you know more about the story than I do. Oh, um, okay. In, so in Fulton, uh, Georgia, Fulton, Georgia is a new city. It's the, like the fifth largest city in Georgia. And it was incorporated in 2000, 
seven. So it's like a new city. And when you have a new city, you have to have all new stuff. And one of the things is you need a, a judicial system. So it's like there is a larger court in the state of Georgia that is in charge of selecting. You start with the judge. So they selected an, a, a woman of color as the judge. And then from there, you start to make all the other hires in the judicial in, in the judicial system of the city. And as it turns out, every single person who is employed by Fulton, Georgia's judicial system is a woman of color. And, it, you know, the way that it's described is it's not it was not some intentional statement. It was not some we're going to have a, an entire system that's just women of color. It was like this. This was the best hire. 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 And all of a sudden they were all women of color. But. The way this interview went of of these people on CNN.com was how different it is. And not because they went in to do something differently, but women and women of color approach things differently. And it ends up having all of these practices that don't exist in other cities. So like they have a second chances program. So before, if somebody gets arrested, before it goes to trial, they do a big deep dive of that person. Can they go to rehab? Can they go to some sort of um, treatment that will allow them to avoid prison time? And well, and and it's important to them. And so a handful of things that are just done differently because it's run by women of color. Do we have any statistics on whether or not that's actually changed the way the criminal just, like, like what what is actually impacted crime in that particular city? Well, no, not in this article. There may be, I'm sure the city has those statistics. But remember, this is a new system. So even if it was, it wouldn't be more than 10 years old. So I think you have to, you just need to. It'll be amazing to look at it in 10 years and see if it's actually improved the lives of people that were once. So 90% of the of the town is people of color. So having people of color and 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 there is whether whether you're a Democrat or Republican or older young or from the north or the south, everybody knows we have issues in this country between communities and police and and, and law enforcement and and, and And the judicial system. We can't make decisions. On race, we can, it's because it's different. People of color making decisions about people of color is makes sense mm-hmm. as opposed to a bunch of old white dudes making decisions about what should happen, or a bunch of white dudes making what sh- like ideas about what should what should be the cases with women. Yes, and 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 so they, this is like this lovely anecdote in the article about a man who got a speeding ticket, a, a traffic this ticket. Is awesome. And was, was going to come into yes, was going to come to court to to deal with it, and he brought his daughter. And the the court clerk said in the article, "It's usually not something you bring a school age child with you to do." And the father described it that he brought his daughter specifically so that she would see what it looks like to have an to have a space where every job is filled with somebody that looked like her. And I think I think it's why some of us me feels so passionate about electing women and specifically to the presidency. When you see yourself in a job that you never thought you could have because of who you are, you see that like with your own eyes, it it tears down immediately so many obstacles, so many walls. Yeah. You don't have to work. You don't have to imagine. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to say we can do it because we're just as smart and we're just as capable. Like somebody's done it. It's done. Yeah. Like it's not... It's, it's, it's not, not a big deal. It's not you a should, dream anymore. You should, right. It's like you it's should just do the thing that's and get what the you job. Should do. Yes. Yeah. And so I think to the women in Fulton, Georgia, um, whether or not it was designed or sort of by or or sort of by chance or whatever it was, like they said it just kind of happened. Killing, killing it. Yeah. It's just it's really doing a service, I think, to um, barriers. And I'm I'm I just impressed by those I, people. So impressed. Shockingly just agree with Kelly. <laughs> that's right. I mean <laughs> yeah. that's it that's an example of 
everything just being better. Better, yeah. Um, and also Georgia, the place we could have the first ever African-American governor in the fall, Stacey Abrams. So that's we'll going to be a tough yeah, race. Yeah, it'll be tough. But, <laughs> I don't, I don't you know. know. I don't it's know a, that that will happen. It's always just but. good to see it. And speaking of um, fierce women, our, our, we're excited about our next guest. So it's that time of the show that we get to bring our guest in. And we are really excited to have Kaya Waddell join us today, who I met, um, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago when she was living on the East Coast and working in the political department at Facebook. And who was an amazing friend and colleague to me because she knows an immense amount about the way sort of that platform works and how to engage people on that platform and has always just been super kind. And when she was when she told me she was moving out to the West Coast, we were all sort of bummed, but it was a good move for her. So we're stoked to have her on the show. Thanks for joining us, Kaya. Thanks for having me. Excited to be with you guys. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about your current sort of gig and a little bit just about your life out there on the West Coast? Yeah. Well, I moved out to this Bay Area and to specifically, I live in San Francisco and commute down to Facebook's headquarters in Menlo Park now. Um, I've been out here, let's see, since beginning of 2017. And now I'm working, I transitioned post-election after my severe devastation and sort of personal <laughs> personal regrouping on my life. I I moved out to take a role as what sort of the chief strategist, chief of staff type hybrid tech version of that, which is called business lead for one of our executives here in Menlo Park. And how how was the move? How is it? I mean, you move from New York to San Francisco, which is like, it's like something from the movies. You know what I mean? Like, how, how did you experience that culturally? I mean, you're an easygoing person, but tell us a little bit about the dynamic from from one from what feels like one extreme to the other. Yeah, that's, uh, it is actually pretty extreme in the sense <laughs> that um, I would say, the biggest transition for me was honestly like my commute. I mean, I walked both when I lived in DC and when I was in New York, I walked from my house to work every day. And I really like that was such important time for me. And it was also like very short time mm-hmm. versus now being in the car and like living the the, the California lifestyle, which <laughs> requires being in a car for like a god awful amount of time every day. <laughs> um, but no, in general, it's been it's been really enlightening. I think you know, you get so sucked in and and sort of immersed in the DC and political orbit. And then even in New York, I found that I was still obviously, you know, neck deep in it just through 2016. So it's been it's been good in a lot of ways in the sense that um, it's it's providing a really great perspective on like other industry and other, you know, entrepreneurial stuff that's going on Mm -hmm. in the world. But (laughs) it's also very there, I feel like I miss a lot of aspects of my community on the East Coast still. So um, I don't know that that will ever go away, frankly. Are the pace of things different in California than they are in New York and D.C.? Or is San Francisco pretty much the same as the, the chaos of, of the East Coast? No, it definitely is different. It's People say it's like very laid back. I don't, I don't think that the Bay Area is specifically laid back because I think it's a very tech startup you know, centric culture. And so people have flexible schedules, but they work all the time. Mm-hmm. So New York, you would be in this grind. And it was like, even you'd walk outside, and it was still kind of a grind. Here, people are, you know, outside and taking walks and like, sort of posturing that it's like, <laughs> chill and cool and whatever. But it's it's definitely still people are working around the clock. And I think that's one of the most similar aspects of actually being here is that it's just the mentality about like the hustle to try to try to grow business, try to grow the work that you're doing. Um, so that's actually less of an extreme than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Um, and so 
you moved to a place, obviously you said a tech startup sort of centric culture and this like intensity around, you know, venture capitalism and a new idea that could hit big and all, you know, all this what feels like very intense moments of opportunity. And there's, you know, there's a narrative around how women fare in that culture. Have, do you have any perspective about sort of either how it's been reported or or what's really true or how being a woman in sort of that tech culture is? Yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting conversation because I think there's a couple of components to it. And I, of course, constantly am comparing this to life and politics, which I actually think is there's a lot of parallels in the sense that, you know, the culture in tech, like I said, is very much about like the hustle and grind. It's also pretty dominated by young people, similar to politics. Startups are very much like campaigns in the sense that like, you know, they ramp up quickly. You're they trying to have bigger your, budgets. They have bigger <laughs> budgets. And no, no more grownups, though, I promise you that. Um, and so I think there's, the, the, there's a lot of cultural parallels to sort of the, the, I'd say big swaths of the tech ecosystem and politics. And so with that come, I think, similar challenges that women face, well, women and frankly, minorities face in in politics, you know, there's similar challenges in tech. And I think that my experience personally, I, it's been interesting, like, I've been at Facebook for um, almost six years, actually six years next week. And, you know, it's been this incredible experience for me. I think that it's a we have a, a really vibrant culture. I think it's been very supportive. I've had been fortunate to work with really, really wonderful men and women. Um, but coming out here, I think I've noted a lot of the, the same challenges that women face in terms of, um, you know, having trying to push to have a seat at the table or get access, or I mean, to, to put it bluntly, have access to capital, which mm -hmm. is such a big part of this ecosystem. And then same goes for female candidates who are running for office or fundraisers who are trying to ra raise money for causes. It's, I think money and that access is still, you know, there's still a lot of gatekeeping. And I think that's probably the area where I've noticed the, the greatest amount of similarity. I think women here, it's also a lot of really brilliant, ambitious, overqualified women that are, <laughs> are working. And so like I've been fortunate, but I, I see that there's also with with this this flexible culture comes not necessarily at Facebook, but I think across tech in general, with flexible culture and sort of moving fast and um, just trying to scale, like with that comes a often a lack of accountability or a lack mm. of transparency. It's like whatever it takes. And with that, of course, comes you know, issues of all of the issues that we've heard read about and heard about in tech. And so I personally haven't experienced it in the way that I think a lot of women or some women have. And um, I think that there's a reckoning happening as we all read about in, in tech right now. Um, but I think there's actually a lot of parallels with the, the accountability that, for example, in the progressive movement, a lot of the, the, the writing and, and research that has been done started to really conversation that started to happen in progressive politics. That's, of course, starting to happen in tech, too. And there's mm -hmm. a similar, like, I don't want to say martyrdom of like, oh, we're better than this. But it's it's a similar conversation. Um, and it's going to take some real culture shifts in both in both industries. So do you find like in politics and Tracy and I talk about a lot this a lot on this podcast because Tracy is sort of one of the leaders in organizing Republican women. They haven't really done that much. And Democratic women we organize and then we don't and then we organize and then we don't. But um, is there are you finding that that sort of tribal need is happening in the tech space? Do you experience any of that of women trying to like put an end to or, or catch up to the networking needs for capital or for jobs or, you know, is is that is that sort of tracking similarly in the tech? Yeah, space? I would say so. I mean, I'd say that it's a lot. I think actually 
San Francisco is in the Bay Area is, is a good is a good really good parallel to DC because both are relatively small ecosystems like mm-hmm. it's not like trying to organize in finance or something where it's a massive massive industry that's global. I'd say the DC community is pretty small and tech is relatively small and so it's actually pretty I don't want to say easy, but there's a lot of ally building and finding that's happening um, within tech. And I'm involved in a couple of women's groups. One's called The Cove. It's, it's like a mix of professional women in tech, especially, that are working to sort of explore issues around everything from, um, you know, the, the sort of blatant sexual harassment stuff in that mm-hmm. conversation, everything from that to motherhood and to trying to find capital and trying to raise money for your for your ideas. So I think that there is a lot of that happening in tech. And there are also some really, really awesome VCs that are starting to focus and really pitch women, women owned um, businesses mm-hmm. and or, you know, entre- support minority entrepreneurs. So I think it's happening. It's just there's always this like start and stop. Is it happening fast enough yeah. kind of component that I, I, I don't I think there's there's more money in tech. And so it's easier for people to sort of make headway, if you will. But I don't know that like statistically, that's really moving the needle in the way we need it to or as fast as we need. I mean, this is it's an interesting segue into what we're going to talk about next. You're going to join us for the stupid shit people say segment today. But um, like it's some things are just so based on like subconscious muscle memory, like people are just dicks because they've always been dicks. And like they just if there's not like a beat for somebody to like think about what they're going to say and do the right thing then it's easy for things to sort of tailspin back to where they've already always been. I mean, that certainly happens in D.C. I experience that all the time. The Democrats say that they're going to do things differently. And when, you know, push comes to shove, they retreat to to the way they've always done it with the teams they've always done it with. And, I, you know, I think that that is probably just a matter of we need time to start to create new muscle memory. So it's World Cup time right now. I, By the way, I, I yes, can't watch I any more soccer. soccer. I hate I it. Mean, my, I think it's a dumb it's, sport. Oh, well, I know. That's weird. I, I mean, I'm a, it's like the, the world's most favorite sport. Right. It's I, literally the most popular sport <laughs> in the entire world. That's fine. I think it's dumb. And I think it's dumb because I don't think you should be able to make shit up in the middle of like the game. Like, oh, we're just going to extend it five more minutes because but we feel it's like stoppage it. stoppage time. It's we. It's dumb. I don't uh, like right. it. And, and the flopping. I don't like the flopping. I don't like, know. What is the, the, the drama? Oh, the, the drama. drama. They are, like, they are, are you, dra- like, dramatic boys. They're so delicate. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, they yeah. pretend to be delicate. It's stupid. I think they're probably it's hard annoying. to steal. I know. I'm yeah. sorry. I really just hate soccer. But there's a lot. <laughs> it's like, how long? It's like a two-month-long thing or something. Three months. Forever. And it's we, infinity time. We yeah. watch My a, husband's over there right now, actually. Oh, oh is, wow. He's in Russia? Yeah. Yeah, he's wow. he's literally in Moscow right now watching the um, he's Colombian and so he's in Russia right now mm-hmm. watching the Colombia England match like literally as we speak. How funny! He just went to yeah. watch. He's Colombian. He likes <laughs> he's to Colombian. Super Good like, for him. No, I mean that's soccer. but like I don't know. Like, did he have to do something for work? I don't know. I mean, literally, like, did he just go for fun? I'm just asking. I mean, just totally fun and fandom. Good it's, for it's him. Bizarre. I know. That's was fun. he there yeah. when Russia won against Spain? I mean, this is a sidebar, but like that they said Moscow yes. was insane. Right. Well, he said crazy. it was insane. Yeah. He was there. He he's been he's gonna be there for two weeks. His, Holy crap. His, <laughs> yeah, it's in, it's totally it's a different level of like love for this sport. Fandom. It's it's I've learned so much. So there are anyway. so men only play and but women like to watch and women are play professional soccer in other arenas and now some women announce the games. And right. so there was an article recently of an experience that a former player, current sports journalist, ba- said that he did not prefer the sound of a woman's voice 
to be being the commentator because when in moments of drama in a sport, the the range in you a can't women, get yeah. up like this. I can't. Oh my god! And now he's gonna kick the field goal. Jason Cundey, but fucker. It, it speaks to like it's what I was talking about. The muscle memory of thinking a job should be a man's. I mean, what do you think, Kaya? Yeah, I think it's. It's that, especially that like position of like, I don't want to hear a woman's voice announcing a sport is, is beyond muscle memory. It's just like completely stupid. Um, also because it's, I think like the, the idea of like alternative perspectives and like, if you're a huge sports fan, like, don't you want to hear a different kind of commentary? Don't you want to like understand the sport in a different way? And I think women or anyone who's like, not you can provide that like, you know, different type of perspective or like lens. Um, I also just think it's, it's such a, I mean, I guess you're right. It is sort of, there's a tradition around it or, or something, but I just think it's so ridiculous that like, that's the thing that people have a hard time with when there's, when these sports, it's like, there's so many, there's so many other components that like, like the drama, like that's a great example. Like, aren't, why aren't we like criticizing the fact that they, pe- players will waste minutes of a game roly polling around on the field <laughs> and like crying, trying to get when, a flag or something, trying to get a flag. Yeah. And it's like, instead you're worried about a woman announcement. Or, or announcing. Yeah. So. I mean, it's funny that the the reporter that wrote this article went back and compared the voice of Jason Cundy, who was the guy that said he didn't like a woman, and the woman who was announcing, and they have similar vocal ranges. Like, they actually speak <laughs> in the same tenor. So at that point, it really just was misogyny. It was just that they think he thinks dudes are better in this in this in okay. this arena. So, so I got to play a little bit of demo. I, I was just waiting. Other, I'm otherwise, just to like this is you, no man. fun. Like why even have this <laughs> podcast? So so I think that this guy is is should have kept his douche. mouth shut. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think that there are preferences and things that we like to listen to. There are certain types of music that people like to listen to. There are certain types of voices people like to listen to. You and I were talking before this podcast. I hate Delilah. I will not listen to her when she comes on the radio. I don't know if it's because of her voice. I don't know if it's because I just find her super annoying. I don't know. I don't listen to her. I don't like the Kane show. I don't like to listen to Kane. I find him painfully annoying. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're a man or a woman. I think that this guy probably is a misogynistic douchebag, but I don't think we can get into a place where you can't say that, like, you don't like something because you don't like the sound of somebody's voice or you don't like the things that they say. Like, I think it's okay to not like things. I think it would have been different if he if he said, I don't like this particular announce like woman female announcer's voice. But I love this other person's voice, this other woman's voice. Oh, so voice. he like, was saying all women as a whole. He said, in yeah. quote, I prefer to hear a male voice when watching football. Yeah. So, again, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and say exactly what you said. I think this guy should have kept his mouth shut and he yeah. is a bit of a douche. But I, I do think we have to be careful about not saying – like. It's okay to not like something. That's all. Like it's it's okay to you not can like things. You can have preferences. That's all. That's all. It's my. That's my. That's, I just got to throw a wrench in there. But that's in it. in this Done. in this world where men say stupid shit without checking themselves and then have to issue like multiple part tweets to sort of come back from it, like Tony, motivational speaker guy who yeah. said like Me Too was all bullshit or whatever. But like. We are, God forbid, we turn a page, a cultural page, to be like, you can't just say whatever the fuck you want. Like, turns out, you don't get to just say whatever the fuck you want whenever you want to say it without, rem- without like, consequence. I mean, I think that is a good step forward for humanity. Yeah. What can I say? Yeah. 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 All right. So, Kai, last last thing for you. We've been asking um, our guests that have come on the show what, it, sort of, without 
trying to feel too dramatic. What do you think is one of the biggest obstacles facing women in 2018? Do you have any sort of sort of gut reaction thoughts to that? Yeah, I mean, I hate to be kind of predictable here, but I think <laughs> I, I still it comes down for me, it comes down to money. I think access to capital, like coming using my both hats of, of like tech and politics, access to capital to support their ideas or, you know, or campaigns or businesses. I just think that that's still still such a hurdle for women in every industry. And like it's when out here, when guys ask, usually it's men who ask like what I'm not so outraged about what's happening in politics and like our national discourse and blah, blah, blah. What can I do? And I, I always say, well, like give, give women and particularly women of, of color, color who are literally, literally saving us all from the, ourselves every day. Um, <laughs> give women and women of color money to run for to be trained and learn how to run for office and then run for office. And like it'll just change the national conversation, win or lose, in a way that's so important. In the same way that like there's all the research supporting, you know, women, women in leadership, women in board seats, blah blah blah. I just think money and the being supported through financially to be able to explore, you know, ventures is is so important. And it's still a huge barrier for a lot of women. Um, and I think about like, this is the election that is like, you know, a once again, like a year of the woman. I, I still think that there's just even with a record number of women who are, are registering and, and like considering running for office, like we just need to be providing a lot more money to support that ecosystem and like allow people allow people to run allow people to fail and when they when women inevitably you know have some losses like like in a normal election like help them find help them pivot and find jobs it's like men yeah. who lose never never end up out on their ass so like let's men hire them up. let's put them in the pl- <laughs> yeah fail upward exactly so I, I i would say money i still i still it's call me old-fashioned but <laughs> and do you, do you think it's sort of a double-edged sword right i mean there is there is a unspoken sort of worry about giving money to women, but women also don't expect it or ask for it as as boldly or um, ap- approach it. You know, uh, they approach it often with a, a slightly softer touch. They're not as great as making what we call the hard ask in political fundraising. But right. so it's like it's sort of twofold. It's retraining both givers, but also askers. Yeah, I Yes, I agree with that. I would also just say, though, that like in a world in which we need to not like women and again, especially women of color end up bearing the brunt and being asked to like carry the carry the responsibility of like, you know, learning how to run for office and, and doing this better. Like, yes, we need to be training people to make the hard ask. But I think the responsibility needs to also f- firmly fall on the shoulders of like so many people who are quote unquote outraged right now. Mm-hmm. And like particularly men, particularly men who I experience every day in tech, it's like <laughs> if you if you want to make a difference in this and you want to put your like, money where move, your mouth is, yeah, the needle, <laughs> like, like saddle up. Like it's just, yes, I agree with you. We need to in- invest in that. But it, I, don't, I wouldn't call it an equally double-edged sword. Got like it. I would say like maybe it's a, a 30% quote unquote burden on women to, to learn and, and improve in that way. And 70% on like the world of men. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that building networks and connections and pushing boundaries and having the tough conversations will help, I think, start to open up those doors. So we appreciate you being on this little podcast we have. Yeah. Thanks to you so much. <laughs> this has been amazing. This has been really fun. Thank you guys for having me. It's It's been great. Awesome. Okay. So you want to talk about farting? I, I, we can talk about farting. As long as we don't have to talk about the, like, the, the actual thing. 
I don't don't even know what the actual thing actually is because we just know that it's called the Fair and Reciprocal Trade Act. Yeah. I don't, they haven't actually released it. Yeah. Essentially fucked American business this week with his tariffs. So, but yeah, let's talk about farts. Let's talk about like, between Melania and the fucking coat and him and the fucking farts, like they literally have nobody who's being like, don't do dumb shit. That is true. I mean, that's what happens when you have We amateurs. didn't even talk about Melania's coat f- because you were away. Fucking. We can't uh, talk about it now. We could talk about it if you want. I mean, we can riff on it. I mean, we could just bring up the farts just to do it. Start. You're taking the lead I on the I feel like farts. we have. I feel like this whole thing has been like talking about farts. Like, I don't know that we need an official. This is so good. He's such like, he's Everybody such a child. Farts. It's like, I don't want to talk to them. I mean, he's just, everything he Sometimes. does is so childish. And he just like an acronym about farts. It's like. I don't it's even think he meant to do it. Stays. The Fair and Reciprocal Trade Act. Right. I mean. How did no Everything one... Everything gets shortened in that was the history be, of the government. Right. How did he not know because that was going to be farts? Because his staff hates him. Twitter. And Melania's <laughs> staff hates her. Their staff hates... The Trump staff is just... They're out of it. Everybody they're, hates them? Well, then you should be happy about that. I would really like for, the, our, for our executive branch to be good. I mean, even... I, I was one of those people that said, all right, he won. I'm not going to wish he'd... I'm not going to hope he does poorly because... It's my country, right? right? So, like, I'm absolutely going to say, like, Don't culturally, that guy should not be there. Culturally, he should eat women. Culturally. But he's a business guy. Maybe he'll, like, maybe, kill Maybe it. some stuff. Well, kill eh, You know, maybe he will make changes that will benefit the country. Nope. He's going to make a fart act. <laughs> <laughs> right after Space Force. Like, what the Fuck. It's crazy town It's USA. like they're just fucking with us. It, it is. I mean, it's almost like that we're going to like wake up. It's like we're in the Matrix. My husband is like, and well, we last got night he was like, things are really bad. Head. Like, he's like, things are going to be real bad. Yeah. I don't, I mean, so, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know if they're going to. Yeah, I think they're going to be bad. I don't fucking know. Like, that's we, the thing. Like, I have no idea whether they're going to like blow, like the world's going to blow up. I mean, so North Korea is now like killing it on the freaking well, Except they think it's going to take thing. 10. They have. There's like a lot of talk about the nuclear thing this week because there's like a, a site where there may or may not be nuclear weapons in North Korea. And somebody said it was going to take 10 years for them to nuclearize. And yet another person said it was going to take a year. So, you know, just think it's a little gray. So I don't, I mean, I don't think you can build nuclear weapons in a year, but fuck, I don't no, know. No, denuclearize. He's, they're not. Get rid of. I'm totally flip-flopping. North Korea is not fucking denuclearizing. That's the whole fucking They're building the some fucking shit up there. Have you not seen the satellite images no, of I them know, like totally the growing their the, the purpose of the I, fucking summit. And the here's, promise he here got from is, his boyfriend. Here is, here is the only thing that I think might be good of the, that comes of that is if he if, is if North Korea is actually rebuilding their nuclear arsenal after they like shook hands and Trump was like, oh, we're buddies and whatever. Trump is just going to go Tra- blow Tracy, shit Tracy, what's up. good about that? We do it's definitely not do not want to get into a war no, with North it's Korea. Not, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have clarified. It was good. My only point is I think it's good that we have a crazy fucker in the White House because he will actually You're retaliate. Right. That is much clearer for it's me. Good. Totally clear. Totally good. Um, so yesterday I was on Fox News, and this is sort of just an anecdote that has nothing to do with North Korea because we're all over the place today. But are we are we over talking about farting? Because farting I, was I fun. Think so. Okay, all right. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry. All right, Fox News. Kelly and on Fox. Fox I, in a house. I was having a. Fox in a house. I was having a conversation with the woman that does my makeup, who's lovely, and she was talking about my children are away with my parents this week. So Caleb and I have no kids this week, and I'm working, and he's working, and it's not quite as sort of I'll get out. It's everything. But I, she was saying, oh, you don't even get to sleep in tomorrow because you have work. 
And I said, you know, it's not so much about sleeping in. It's about whether or not I take the 7 a.m. exercise class instead of the 6 a.m. exercise class, like making a joke that I get a little time. And she was like, oh, and like when your kids are here, your husband just stays home with them in the morning? And I was like, at 6 in the morning? The children are asleep at 6 in the morning. But I said, yeah, my husband is super engaged at home and, you know, he does a lot of the cooking and almost all the laundry folding and just like, you know, he's just really good at home. I travel a lot for my job, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, it's really lucky for you. And I was like, I don't know how it works with two working parents if you if you don't both help on the home front. She goes, well, let me tell you, they don't look like you. They have a lot of panic attacks and they never exercise. I was like, whoa. Wait, like what? A, women who have to do work and home full time. She was describing them as not looking like me, having a lot of panic attacks and never exercising. Oh. Which I was just like... That's such a crazy, like so, what a crazy space to be living in. I, I can't the, even imagine it. Yeah. But I think, so I think that part of it is the area in which we live. Like, I think that D.C. is, you got a lot of dudes that step up. I mean, even yeah. out where I live, out in northern Virginia on somewhere near a farm, <laughs> like all of the all of the guys in our neighborhood have wives that work full time and travel yeah. all the time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like... The dads sort of pay, bear the brunt of everything. But I think that's... And the moms go to the so gym important. and get their stuff. Yeah. yeah, it is. So here's to the here's to yep. the men who what? make the new way of Greg the Deeds. world working. And Caleb, Caleb Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. So here we are at the end of the episode. Today is Tuesday, 4th of July is tomorrow. You won't hear this till after America's had its birthday. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Home of the brave, Yay, land of the free. Let's stop being shitty to each other. Let's remember what this country's for. Right. You have free speech, so yeah. please use it Fucking wisely yes. and effectively. Yeah. And don't be a douchebag. Anyway. Lots of fun today. Listen and subscribe to Dana All to Hell. On- <laughs> <laughs> she drunk. <laughs> lots of fun today. <laughs> we had lots of fun today. Listen and subscribe to Dame It All to Hell on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you guys next week. Everybody farts. Where do we think we are on time? Sometimes. Everybody farts. <laughs>